Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. There it is. There it is. Live. Click a button and away we go. And this is going to be a fun one because my guest today, I'm going to tell you all about her. She is a thought leader. She's a content and social marketing expert, Forbes 30 under 30, speaker, author, evangelist. Her book is The Manifesto of Content Marketing Teams, which we will get into. Podcast host of The People in Marketing, co-founder and CEO of Planable, Ksenia Muntan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm uh, very excited to talk to you. Absolutely. And before we hit record, we were trying to figure out different time zones that we're in. And it's it's like, it's the end of the day for you and it's the beginning of the day for me. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're in Romania right now. Yes, I'm currently in uh, Bucharest, uh, Romania, Eastern wow. Europe. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes I have better um, internet reception um, with guests internationally than I do with someone four states over in the US. It's crazy. I remember, uh, I don't want to get into politics from the get-go, but I remember uh, <laughs> Bernie Sanders made like a comment or a tweet or something about internet connection in the US. And he mentioned that, uh, you know, even uh, Bucharest, Romania has better internet connection. And he did that on Twitter. And Romanians, you know, uh, my fellow Romanians transformed it into a campaign for Romania. Like, come to Romania, we have great internet. <laughs> that is brilliant. That, but uh, see, I, I thought first I thought that was a compliment, but but he was actually saying it's it's like it's yeah. in the bottom of the barrel, which is like exactly. Well, I'm here to, today, and I can I can assure him that this. But you know, he lives in a state called Vermont. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I'm one state over, and. And his state makes my state nervous. So we just let wow. the Vermonters do whatever they do over there. Um, they just, they have a lot of dairy, dairy farmers and, and ice cream, Ben and Jerry's. That's about it. That's all, it's about all Vermont's good for. Sorry, Vermont. I don't think anyone <laughs> from Vermont listens to this. So if, if they do, sorry, but it, you know, it's true. Um, but yeah, no, great internet access. Um, it, you, there's so much wealth of knowledge and experience um, with you that I want to pass you this thing real quick. It's heavy, but across the, international here you go thor's hammer you got it you got to grab that thing yes i got it i okay. got it all right let's, let's get nice. this done all right take thor's <laughs> hammer and smash some kind of marketing myth bogus strategy misconception just set the record straight once and for all yes let's do this so i have one that i okay. really really love and the first one that i hear quite a lot from our um, from our customers and from our audience is you know, posting times on social media. So, you know, considering that our company is in the social media marketing space, we get a lot of questions about, you know, best practices and so on. So a lot of people ask us, you know, what's the best time uh, to publish? Or they, you know, they ask us if you have any like feature where, you know, you can automatically schedule posts at the best posting times on specific platforms. Yeah. So this is totally a myth. Uh, that's like a huge, huge misconception about the industry. And that's actually um, a misconception that dates back from the times where, you know, social media was a chronological thing. And definitely some platforms like Twitter do still have a chronological aspect to it. 
but it's not the case anymore with you know all the other platforms especially facebook it's all about algorithms it's all about engaging content it's all about the reactions you get on your content and i'm pretty sure that you know most people have already noticed that you know when you see posts from your friends that you know they published five days ago and you're you know seeing them on top of your feed mm-hmm. it's not chronological so the posting time doesn't really that matter that much it really matters what type of content you're actually creating more than anything um, and you, there is a component where you know it, it might matter you know for the platforms that have a chronological aspect to their feed um, but even there, uh, you know, it, it really depends on the type of audience you have. It really depends on the industry you're in, on the type of business you have. It, it really, really varies quite a lot. So there is no one type because you'll see, you know, all of those articles on the internet, like yeah. best posting times on Instagram. One <laughs> thirty-four p.m. In- right? Yeah. Exactly. So specific. That's like the sweet spot. So there's no such thing because it really depends on your business. So you really need to look like your business, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're a cocktail restaurant, probably evening times might work best for you. Or um, if you're, uh, you know, I don't know, a gas station, you know, maybe morning and evenings when people, you know, use your services might be correlated with, with you know, when they actually check your profiles. So it really, really depends on the type of audience and the type of business you have. And I think there is no just, you know, this magic number, magic time where everyone is online and you got to hit it and all the other times are just bad. No, you got to experiment. And even, you know, with industries, like you might start with a time that you assume might be right for you, depending on your business, as I mentioned with the previous examples, but then you got to iterate, right? Like you got to test it, you got to, try different times and see what works. Um, and yeah, I think that's the, the, you know, there is no good, perfect time to post. Uh, it's all an experiment. Why, why do people think that this is, it, was there ever a, a perfect time? <laughs> I don't think so. But, it, you know, with the, with the way the feeds worked in the past, um, especially the chronological ones, oh, like right. with the Facebook one. Yeah, it's, you know, probably like posting at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Uh, is not the best time because not that many people are online then. Um, and there are peaks, obviously, like you can see the overall, like Facebook and all the other social media platforms are sharing data about, you yeah. know, engagement on their platforms. So overall, you can see that, you know, everyone in a specific time zone has, specific peaks, right? Like in the afternoon or in the morning, it really depends on, on the platform. Um, so I guess that's why, you know, people ask those questions, um, but it's not this very straightforward, plain and simple answer. It's a bit more complex and it does have nuances that, you know, involve the type of business, the type of audience, the demographics of your audience, but also, you know, just like experimenting with it as much as possible. Right, right. It's like trying to look for a shortcut, really. And what I was reminded of is there, there's no necessarily perfect time across the board, but there may be for your audience and your kind of business is what you'd said. The combination of those two, the restaurants in the evening or pre-evening, you know, it's, it's almost time to go to, we're talking about when when you're going to go to dinner, you got some other calls to make, but then you're going to, so you right before then, maybe if some things started happening that might be the perfect timing for that situation for you for the restaurant but someone else you're right like a 
a store or a bakery or something. It might be the morning or the night before where you dream about those croissants all night. Like, you know, there's this <laughs> all so kind true. of things. Right? I do dream about croissants. I have to be honest. I those are good dreams, them. by the way. You can eat <laughs> any dream croissants as you want and you don't get fat. You don't get out of shape. They're just perfect. <laughs> exactly. Those are the, the, the best ones. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, start that's you know the, the, the ones that you mentioned are good starting points you know yeah. like figuring out what would work for your industry and for your business is a good starting point but you yeah. shouldn't stop there like you should start with them but then also you know try to uh, try different times maybe there's something you know and you need to consistently try that because one post is not going to give you enough data statistical relevancy uh, to say that you know if you try to post at 10 a.m you know that and it had you know, crazy engagement, maybe the post was, you know, the thing, maybe something happened that day, right? Um, so it really, you need to consistently iterate and experiment with those things on a, you know, across a period, across a, you know, long period of time, um, right. so that it's, you know, actually relevant statistically. Do you, do you have people that, because it sounds like this is the, it's the same kind of direction, they get so obsessed with the times, and they're all looking at the clicks, do they, for, and, and then we forget, like, why we're tweeting in the first place, why we're sharing, we're supposed to be what helping and doing, but we've like lose sight of that. And we're just trying to like extract these clicks from people, which may or may not even have monetary value. Yeah. Uh, I mean, clicks are probably not the best metric, not the worst metric to track. You know, I've seen people, you know, looking at other, you know, worse metrics, you know, vanity ones. What's the worst like ones? likes <laughs> probably or followers i mean they're not bad bad metrics in itself but they don't tell you that much actionable stuff right like it maybe tells you a bit about the audience but you know who cares if you have you know huge audience if it's not engaging with your content right uh, so i think you know the clicks are not that bad um because it means that, that the content you built uh, is interesting to people uh, or it's helpful you know they want to learn more they want to you know actually take advantage of your help you know benefit of your help um, so it's not such, you know it's not a bad one likes are worse because it doesn't say anything you know you know people you know like their content maybe they just you know read the headline and that was all um, you know, they didn't actually took advantage of the help, the content, the, the you know, the value that you've created for them. Um, so yeah, the, definitely there are, and again, you know, that's another thing, like the fact that there are specific metrics that you actually need to follow. Mm -hmm. um, and those are universal metrics that everyone needs to follow mm. on social media. Like, again, that really depends, like metrics are correlated with the goals that you have. Like, what type of goals do you have? Do you want to grow your audience? Or do you have, you know, more eyes that are seeing your posts? Or do you want like a super short, sweet and engaged audience? You know, those are different metrics that you're going to look at. You're going to look at follower count, and then you're going to look at things like comments and potentially clicks. So again, there is no universal metrics that you have, you know, must have metrics to follow. Um, in social media marketing. It again goes back to your business and more specifically to the type of goals that you have around social. Boom. I don't know if you have the mic drop <laughs> in Romania. Have, do you know, do you have the yes. mic drop? You do. Okay. Yeah, is is this a universal thing now, the mic drop? Because I think you just did a mic drop moment. I think that's like the promo and that's everything. That was fantastic. <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the metrics are are correlated with the goals you have. Like al aligning to the goals I mean, makes so much sense. It, and the vanity metrics of the likes. I mean, I know some people, I've even done it like one in the morning. You're like a like machine. You're like, oh, favorable. Boop, boop. You know, it's more, more <laughs> like Instagram is like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, at least I think exactly. with the Facebook likes, at least they've added the different kinds. So now it gives you a bit more nuance. Yeah. To no, like the sentiment. That any, anyone, it's like, it's so weird because I'm not, no one's doing anything with that. And that's just my react. It's, it's so weird if we really think about it, right? Like, whether it's a friend or a business post something, instead of liking, I'm putting wow, if it was crazy, like, whoa, crazy, wow, or sad, or this or that. I don't, I don't even know why I do that other than it's like a, it's a fraction of a bit more expression than a like, because you don't want to like some tragic thing, but I, it's like, it's a weird game, right? Have you seen that movie social dilemma? Was it Documentary? the one on, um, on Netflix? Yeah. Is that the one? I think so. Yeah. I think I did it like a documentary. Yeah. On, I on haven't seen it, so I'm not very channel. much help, but I hear lots of things I about it right now. I did it. I feel that it's a bit, I'm not sure. I just got a bit of a vibe that it's potentially a bit exaggerated. Gotcha. It makes it, makes it, it makes social media seem very creepy. Um, <laughs> very, you know, like this human experiment that is happening nowadays. And I think I would have appreciated if they would have brought the other side because it felt like it's. They didn't um, do that. Yeah, they didn't do. They didn't really bring. I mean, maybe they tried, but you know the tried. channels didn't want to. You know the networks didn't want to. You know get into this, uh, but it seemed like it was more just one-sided uh, mm. opinion on how bad social media networks are, and how you much know, they're manipulating us. <laughs> right, like trying to make it more dramatic. And yes. Apparently the drama worked. Apparently people are talking about it, so the drama worked. But yeah, your point, always you know. Does. Yeah getting something more of a balanced feel to it would have been helpful. If they had brought you on to do a counterpoint, what, what would you have said to that? And it's almost like if you haven't seen for people listening, if you haven't seen it, now you have the counterpoint, now you can go watch it and then have a different experience. <laughs> so what would you say in response? to I, that? I would say that, you know, I've seen Facebook, um, you know, really changing the way they, uh, they build, you know, the algorithms. And I've seen the, you know, I've seen them doing a lot of improvements lately. Because, um, you know, a big, a big, big point that they've made is that social media is designed to be uh, addictive, and it's like a mm. drug. And those companies are designing everything so that you spend more and more and more of your time on social media and not live a, a rich life. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's a very um, simplistic way of looking at things. And I don't, I don't think, you know, people don't have, you know, the power to control their own actions and they're, you know, just, you know, puppets. I don't see humanity like that, to be honest. Uh, I think we do have a lot of, you know, ownership. I think, you know, we do have the ownership over our own actions. Um, right. We can control, you know, I think we're more powerful than that documentary um, kind of, Painted uh, mm. most of the people, and I've also seen you know the platforms trying to improve things like the fight that Facebook um, is currently you know uh, taking on fake news is is to be appreciated. Right. Uh, and I think they didn't you know light enough. They didn't you know 
put the spotlight enough on, on those on those things to be honest yeah yeah and, and to be fair it's a tough position to be in we don't because i know there's conversations is this a public utility is this a thing that is it what what is this you know and yeah. is it, until then it is a private company they can do technically whatever they want to do which is good and bad in a way. And maybe that's maybe that because it's kind of behind this black box that we don't necessarily know. And you can assume it's to make the company more money, you know, in the end, if it's a company. So um, yeah, I think that's probably where some of the fear comes from, but it's, it's a good point that we're not necessarily all puppets. I think it's a, it's, I know what they've been trying to do. They wanted to design it, you know, extremely dramatic to make it as a wake up call, you know, for people, because, you know, people don't think, you know, about social media enough in that perspective. I think, you know, because I've been thinking about it being in this, in this specific industry, you know, I wanted to see the other half yeah. of the coin, but most of the people don't think about social media as being addictive and manipulative. Uh, so I think it was designed to be a wake up call uh, for people to, you know, realize how much time they're spending, the effects it has on, you know, on mental health, and also a wake-up call for people to potentially demand their rights in terms of data and, and privacy, you know, um, and I think, you know, I understand why they did it like that, uh, but like my personal point of view would have been to just potentially include the other side of the coin a bit more. Interesting, you know, it, it just as much as, see, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, hate on this film and I haven't even seen it yet, but I will, I'll, I'll have to go see it now. Uh, but you know, just yeah, as much too. as they're saying people are puppets and just blindly doing whatever social is having them do, they're giving us a documentary where they're just potentially giving us one point. And it's like, ah, I, you know, tell you what, I'll, I'll text Netflix. I'll give them your information. Let's see if we can, you know, add this thing in there as a little addendum to the end. Like, okay, well, here's a, here's another point. It's true. There, there's, it's not a, you know, we call that like the sort of black and white, the, it's almost like a boolean. Yes. It's not a, an on or an off light switch. It's like a, it's a gradient that we're trying to figure yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well, from from social all the way to documentaries and all these <laughs> things. Uh, and, and do you have a favorite social platform? Do you have one that you're looking at? Or is that the same kind of question that I'm asking? What time should I tweet at? No, I mean, personally, I do have uh, a favorite one. Um, I spend most of my time on Instagram, most of my social media time on Instagram. And I feel like that one is probably the most addictive to me. I feel like I'm an extremely visual person. I I learn visually. I explain stuff to people visually. You know, uh, the idea, even, you know, my own business has been built on the idea of making things extremely visual for people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being such a visual person, having, you know, a graphic design background as well, Instagram is just the natural choice for me because it's so much, you know, photo-based, visual, you know, graphic-based rather than uh, text. Like Twitter doesn't have that appeal for me because it's text-based compared to Instagram, which is, you know, graphic. Um, so I, I do hang out on Instagram probably too much. <laughs> you know, me too. I, and it'd be interesting to, to think about why I, I've, I've kind of run away more and more from Facebook. Um, well, first of all, I basically unfollowed or unfriended the majority of people that are sharing those social dilemma type stuff. Like, I, I don't want to see it. I don't, I don't, don't, I want to see something terrible happen to somebody in, in Iowa. Bad things happen to people all over the place. Um, it's good to be informed, but also I don't need 
every single negative hit all the time. So I've really kind of curated Facebook. So basically I see when, when, when I post things, that's all I see, <laughs> or maybe a few other people, but it's like, it's, it's so locked down and, and restricted. And into your point, I'm much more visual too. So I've actually, I think it was a late adopter to Instagram, but I, I found the same thing. I, and, and for Instagram, rather than being my friends and there's a little bit of that, um, almost like an obligation. If someone's your friend, you're, if, and if you unfriend someone, you know, it's like a big deal. Like, Ooh, they unfriended us. Like they, yeah. does that mean they essentially don't want to be friends? And, you know, it's broke, breaking the, the wire or the rope of friendship there. And there's all that sort of like, Oh, should I still f friend you? And that's why they have the secret unfollows so that, you know, it's just, it's a kind of a mess. So like for the, me, like the real life implications, right? Oh, right. Right. It's all the real life implications and the, you know, do you connect with people in your own company? Do you not do? Yeah. And then for me, almost um, Facebook has turned into, even though it's supposed to be like a private thing, it's, it's, you know, you're connected to people in the extended network that I guess they're business contacts or something now. And it's so it, in it, I'm, I'm not very, I'm not really free to be myself on Facebook anymore. Whereas Instagram, you know, it's just things that, that are, appealing to me i'm only putting my maybe my hiking or adventure photos one we'll talk about in a little bit but um i'm also curating i'm only following people that kind of like it makes me happy right so mm. i have like mountain climbers i have fitness people i have just influences i would like to have so that when i open up the app i've created this environment where it's like it i get all the really cool things and the other thing is the ads then correlate so i get like mountain climbing ads now i get ads showing me different kinds of rope i can buy which i think is really cool and like ooh, this rope is 8.8 .8 millimeter dynamic climbing rope like this is exciting so i don't know i've sort of made it that have you have you done the same or you know have you seen a difference with instagram that's so interesting so i i agree it's very like instagram is curated it's more like aspirational for me you know totally like and, and it's also a great learning tool. Like I follow accounts to learn about stuff that interests me personally, like, I don't know, skincare or, Interesting. You, know, uh, you know, feminism and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a learning tool in a way, Instagram accounts that I, you know, I like what they're posting and the topics they talk about. Yeah. And I learn a lot from their stories as well. And I, I spend a lot of time. I, I found myself spending more time on Instagram stories rather than on the feed lately. Uh, and it's also the place where I keep in touch quite a lot with, you know, my closest friends. You know, I follow their stories. I, you know, look at what they're doing. I engage with them there. I don't see myself spending that much time on, uh, on Facebook anymore. And I think I did the same mistake as, as you did, you know, where I diluted my friend base so much yeah. by just you know accepting everyone and now it has become this public profile yep. <laughs> where I, need, I I haven't posted like a personal photo on Facebook since I don't know two years at least it's all yeah. like job related or asking questions about like the local community I might ask you know recommendations and stuff like that when I when I travel or yeah. from friends locally if I'm trying to find something you know stuff like that but it's it's not that personal anymore. And it's also, you know, I like curated it and cleaned it up so much from, <laughs> you know, past personal stuff, like, you know, totally. made photos private and, and stuff like that so that it's, you know, very uh, clean and neat and it presents a specific image of myself. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it's weird. Uh, whilst, you know, Instagram is much more, I mean, it's still extremely curated. What am I talking about? You know, True. it still presents a specific image, but it's more like, you know, Facebook has this entrepreneur image, you know, tech, that kind of stuff. And Instagram is, hey, I travel, I'm a human <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. The different kind of personas. And also what's mm -hmm. wild too is behind the scenes, Facebook owns both. So it's not like... <laughs> There's, you know, we're somehow they have, they have it both. Facebook, yeah. they still got you. <laughs> yeah. Um, have, yeah. have you noticed on, on social advertising? I've noticed that for some reason, Instagram ads tend to be better or more targeted, um, yes. than Facebook ads. Like, I can't tell you I if agree. I've ever bought anything on Facebook. Never, I don't think I ever bought anything off a Facebook ad. Yeah, like just today, you know, I like completed a form out of an ad from from instagram and you really told me and i booked an appointment <laughs> which oh, is no. you know insane like i feel like it's so much more specific and interest-based than yeah. than facebook i don't know um it's it's interesting that's a that's a good point there might be something there um in the way people follow accounts and the type of data collection that facebook does right um but it's an interesting point. I, I never realized that, but I, yeah, that's true. You're, yeah, you're right. <laughs> One time I was uh, on Instagram and I was like, oh, that's good. And I'm like, I'm going to buy that. And then I want to say a few minutes later, maybe an hour or so later, come back to it. Ended up buying two things in pretty short succession within the same day from Instagram. And then I saw a third thing that I was like, oh, that would be kind of interesting to, to, and I was like on a spree and I was like, whoa, put the phone down. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what kind of weird lucky charms they're sending me right now, but I should probably not make another purchase. Um, but yeah, it, to your point, it's more maybe around what your interests are. And also, I think the behavior around Instagram is different. I think like I check Instagram mornings and evenings like before. <laughs> so bad. It's a bad behavior, I know. But like when I wake up, just so I can wake up it took right. it, it takes me a while to actually like wake up <laughs> um so I like spend a bit of time just on Instagram until I you know am alive <laughs> right um, then Do you turn uh, the light down I, on the phone too because you're like ah, oh, yes, give me some yes, but I don't, I don't want much. all this light yeah yes yes and same, you know, in the evening as well, you know, just so that it, you know, puts me to sleep, you know, like this scrolling yeah. of the feed um and I just, you know, uh sleep while um uh while i scroll through the instagram feed and i think you know that type of behavior you like you have my attention you have my you know undivided attention whereas the facebook yeah. i feel like i'm you know maybe in my work breaks i might be on facebook um and i feel like it's more like instagram is more mobile because i think it was like designed with mobile in mind from the get-go yeah so i spend more time on my phone on on instagram i almost don't spend any time on facebook on my phone that's a good um, point so so you know those two things are are you know interesting behavior and i think that's why you know you get me in a in a you know you have my attention mm. <laughs> when i'm most vulnerable <laughs> right. when i wake up <laughs> And also when you have my attention, like I'm not doing anything else whilst, you know, if I check my Facebook at work, you know, I usually have like five minutes and then I have to move on to the next thing. So, um, right. And yeah. just the general probably dislike that same kind of agitator that the, the, the documentary talks about is the same reason I'm not on Facebook because I do not want the agitation. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. from, 
you know, for me, the Instagram is the non-agitating and I've, I'm True. making it. And, it, and if it does get that way, I'm like, I'm, nope, you're out of here. I'm not following that because I already had that with Facebook and, and that's not what I'm looking for. Um, and so it's, it's different, right? Your point and your focus on the feed, it's mobile versus yeah. Facebook. There's a lot of things, including the feed. Yeah. And also I remember I was getting caught so many times into those endless controversial or very dramatic conversations that happened in the comment section at you know, oh, yeah. people's posts. <laughs> did you post comments? Just... Did, did you get fall into the comment trap? Or? <laughs> no, I just read them. I'm a oh, just read them. Okay. <laughs> so I was just reading them and like following the, you know, popcorn, following the conversation, what's happening, all the drama. Yeah. Like I'm not getting that out of Instagram and it's good that I'm not getting it. Yeah. I would get so sucked in into it as well. Um, so, you know, more happy with this yeah more, it's more peaceful in a way exactly it does, it does have like the negative effect of you know making you like the uh, self-image and all of that like the you know influencer accounts and all of that does but you know if you filter it out if you like build your own feed that you're happy with and you know you don't follow people that make you feel bad about yourself um i think it, it can be good yeah you know it's an interesting topic you bring up around the idea of um social media with the um, curated life of like, everyone's happy. And they brought, this used to be Facebook. Everyone's happy. Of course they fixed that. Right. Not everyone, now everyone's yeah. upset on Facebook. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I actually remember a, a, a moment, I don't know, it was like eight years ago, but I remember it being a, a while ago now where some post made me mad and I was about to comment. I might've even gotten like a half a sentence in and I was like, wait a second, what, what are you doing here? Delete move on, maybe unfollow, maybe unfriend. And it's like, nope, nope. And I was realizing like, well, I'm putting these like kilobytes into the internet for, there's no re there's no, there's no end outcome from that. And so I, I sort of broke myself up from that habit um, because it just, I, re I realized how useless it was to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, and then and back to the, the advertising with Instagram, um, even Facebook, I, at one point, I actually tried to make the ads more relevant because I was sick mm -hmm. and tired of generic ads that were just taking up space and had nothing to do with me. And it just like, guys, it's so annoying. You know, and as a fellow marketer, I was like, okay, you can do better than this. You need more input from me. So I remember doing this on, on Facebook. I started liking a couple pages. Um, mm -hmm. and, but I didn't never really had to do that with Instagram. I think maybe they're just tying into even posts that I've liked or, people that I've found or more of that behavioral type stuff. But now I feel, I actually feel happy. Like the dream of truly targeted ads where, like I said, the climbing rope, or I see an ad for the climber magazine or some, you know, something's ha happening and I'm like, Oh, cool. I'm not going to buy you now, but you're getting to me. Maybe I will eventually buy you like that. It feels better. Cause it's showing me things that are relevant to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, the type of ads that, that target uh, me on, on Instagram are also pretty good ones. Like visually it's, you know, yeah. it's like qu quality ads yeah. more, more than, you know, the things that you might be getting on, on Facebook, um, like, you know, direct to consumer brands that are doing, you know, cool stuff. Uh, so I'm not sure if that's, you know, just the brands that uh, happens to be targeting me, but I feel like the quality of the ads visually, graphically, yeah. you know, design-wise is a bit better than what I've, you know, been seeing on, on Facebook before. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. You know, I think, you know, in order to be like the people who, the marketers that, you know, um, do ads on, on Instagram, 
um, they you know probably are a bit more well trained in the aesthetics of Instagram and they you know potentially care about that and implement that in their own designs. So yeah. uh, that's an interesting you know uh, point of view as well. All I got to do now is get LinkedIn to start showing me rock climbing harnesses and I'll just be perfect. <laughs> I just need the, I need the final advertising solution to cover everything. That'll be fantastic. Um, all right, cool. I wanted to shift gears a little bit because, yes. you know, we talked, we talked social and social usually drives the clicks and the engagement. And eventually, especially in the B2B world and often the consumer world, you've got content next. And I know, I mean, you've even written a book on content teams. What's your take on content? Uh, what are we getting wrong the most? In content marketing, yeah, um, I think this uh, opinion that you need to just build amazing content, um, and you know people will just come and you know consume it, and that you know everything that you need to do, you know, build something viral, something amazing, and uh, you know people will will come, the audience will come, and I think that's something that uh, you know most of the teams don't get right. Uh, I think we forget, and we've definitely, you know, been, you know, doing that mistake at Planable as well, uh, where we build a lot of content, uh, but then we forget quite a lot about um, the distribution part, uh, the yes. repurposing part, and the SEO part, you know, all of that. It's not enough to build extraordinary content. You have to invest a lot of time, you know, at least half of your time you know, that you, at least as much time as you invest in building that content, you got to invest in, in promoting it and um, in distributing it. And it sounds like such a simple thing, um, but, you know, we, I don't think the, like the distribution of time is there. I think yeah. most of the times we invest more time and more resources and more energy into building that content than we do in like repurposing it, you know, maybe if you build an ebook. Or if you do a video, repurposing it into infographics and articles and and white papers and, and a podcast episode, and there's yeah. so much more they can do in order to extend the life <laughs> of that piece of content. Uh, and we, you know, and we forget about the SEO part, right? Like if you're not planning to sponsor and invest a lot of paid ads in that specific content piece, uh, the, your you know second best option is SEO. Uh, yeah. So, you know, really optimizing it for the search engines is, again, something that we should all remember doing. Uh, but, you know, so often uh, we forget. <laughs> is it, it's almost like it's a different discipline. And if you're a writer, writing is like the thing you know. And yeah. it sounds hard for some people, but if, if you're the one doing it, like maybe, maybe the writing, the creating the content is the fun part, is the easy part. And then we're kind of avoiding it, hoping that, you know, magically it'll just share itself with everyone. Yeah, build it and they will come. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the interesting part, right? Like the creation, um, mm -hmm. the, the creativity part, the strategy, the research. That's the interesting part. You're building something from scratch. And who doesn't love doing that, right? right. The distribution part is, is, is a different skill set. Uh, it's more you know, growth hacking, it's more uh, potentially tedious sometimes. So I think that's why many teams are, you know, overlooking it or, you know, under investing in it. Yeah, understood. Um, so in, in your book, you get into, it sounds like you need different people to, to do these different things. 
or develop, you know, it depends on the size of your business. If you're like yeah. a small business, potentially develop, you know, that skill set yeah. um, in, in yourself. And okay. just a mindset shift, maybe that could also help. Uh, ideally, yes, you know, different people. Um, but if you're not there yet, a uh, shift in mindset and realizing this and investing in, in those skills in, in yourself is something that you can do to compensate. Um, but yeah, I, we talk about a bit about that in our book. We, we talk about, you know, what are the problems with content marketing nowadays? And we talk a lot about the processes, like not the sexy mm. part of, of content. We don't talk about what, you know, how to create better content and all of that, but we talk about how can you build a team that will manage to produce a lot of content to satisfy the demand of your audience. Uh, because the demand of your audience is going to grow and grow and grow because you know content is becoming more and more of a thing and mm -hmm. i think we've seen an explosion of content now with um coronavirus and everyone you know working from home you know so many brands and the need for information and for valuable meaningful yeah. um information has grown quite a lot and a lot of brands are producing you know more brands than they were you know a year ago are producing content nowadays so this is just going to get you know bigger and bigger so how can you produce content in a scalable matter uh, with you know little resources uh, and how should you know what are the bottlenecks you know and how can you build processes that will allow you to scale that production of content so that's what we talk about in the book wow very cool um yeah. can you uh, can you share like maybe a secret from the book um we talked about how to do it wrong so when it comes to doing it right getting it out there what is is there a secret to to the the promotion of this or to to getting that content actually consumed i think it's uh, not a secret uh, necessarily but like an unexpected thing um that you know if you start investing in you know building those processes and uh, creating those operations like the, the foundation of how your mm. team is going to produce content Something that people don't think about and they, they, they need to think about is the fact that sometimes we need to move slower in order to move forward um, and to progress and to evolve. Um, right. And you're going to have that period of like moving slower where you think about, okay, how do we improve this? Like, what's the bottleneck? why like what is stopping us from actually producing what are the silos that are stopping us from collaborating efficiently in the team you know right it's the fact that we have two systems where we store you know we store files and dropbox and drive and we shouldn't do that how do we centralize it how should it look like you know where do we give feedback on content and so on like so many things that you can probably improve in the way your team works yeah um but in order to do that you're gonna have to like slow down a little bit uh, to put those processes in place in order for you to then move forward faster um, afterwards. Uh, but, you know, like this realization is extremely important because, you know, people think that, you know, they're going to do something and then it's because it's change management, right? Like you right. need people to learn it, to adapt uh, to it. So, you know, you're going to have like a period of time where you're going to probably be moving a bit slower than you were before. And it's going to feel like, Oh, why did I change all of this? It was working so well. Um, but you know, you're going to see the effects um, in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the, the idea of putting a plan out there. I think some of us are in a hurry to just go, 
the whole like ready yeah. aim fire we're just like fire oh shoot we should have maybe planned that do you do you encounter that a lot yeah. with social yes quite a lot especially because social is such a dynamic industry and there's so many new trends every single day yeah, facebook is true. like launching new formats of content every single day and new platforms you know tiktok and and you know all the other ones and everyone feels like this need of jumping on this new trend uh so they just you know they jump on it and there's this you know uh, talking about myths there's this myth where you just it's okay to just jump on it and then you're you know you're gonna figure it out at some point <laughs> right. uh, but, but you know there's this saying as well uh, you know that uh, failure to plan is, you know, plan uh, to fail, uh, actually. Like so, so yes, yeah, so that's, I think it's extremely important to think about why you're doing this in the first place. Like, what do you want to achieve with it? Like, if you want to be on TikTok, what's your goals? What do you want to do with it? What are you going to be talking about? What kind of content are you going to be doing? I don't say, you know, plan your strategy for TikTok for the next five years, but maybe, you know, at least for the next uh, quarter, uh, have something right. in mind of what we're going to do. Don't over plan it, obviously, because, you know, especially with the new channel or with everything new that you're doing, you might find out that your plan was, uh, you know, it doesn't fit with the reality. So you're going to need to iterate, but you still need some kind of consistent plan in mind before jumping into any kind of trend. Yeah. Allow yourself to do some kind of plan, but then iterate after it, understand that things may change and you'll need another plan another way of attacking the situation, but not, yeah. not over planning, not getting analysis paralysis where you can't make any moves or any changes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, true. like, Ooh, I think it, we finally decided it's a good time to hop on Facebook or no, no, MySpace, right. A good time to hop on MySpace Now you're like, uh, it, it's still around, but it's not the thing. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be missing opportunities, obviously, but also don't get into that anxiety of, I got to do this right now. Right. Um, it's not healthy. It's not healthy mentally. It's also not healthy business-wise. You right. got to have a reason why you're doing those things and you got to have a plan. Right. Yeah, no, that makes, it makes total sense. Uh, you know, it almost like goes without saying, but we need to say it because people aren't yes. doing it, you know? Common, yeah, common sense is not so common, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, crazy. Where do you think this is all going? It, are we just going to have platform after platform, social? I yeah. mean, can you give us like the two-year picture? I, I get a sense that you just know everything that's going to happen in the future. So you just let us all know what's going to happen. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you what I hope. Uh, I hope we're going to have more platforms. Mm. Um, it's a bit creepy with Facebook, you know, owning, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, and WhatsApp and, you know, poking Snapchat and TikTok. It's bit creepy um so i hope there's going to be you know more uh more social networks more channels more platforms i hope this doesn't stop here um at least you know it's, at least it's going to give facebook an incentive to improve itself you know because you know competition is healthy uh so i think that's something that i i hope quite a lot and then uh in terms of like marketing i hope um I hope marketers are going to be more intentional in the way they uh, they choose what they're doing marketing-wise. You know, I hope they're going to be more intentional uh, in the way they create content. And you know, we're not going to just yeah. create. It's not going to be just random acts of content. Yeah, it needs to yeah. be planned. And I think in order to achieve this, um, 
you know, organizations need to really, really understand the content is not just the responsibility of marketing. It's actually content is, I, I don't see it as a marketing thing. They see it like as a, an overall business thing. Yes, marketing can polish it, can produce it, but it needs to come from different sources uh, from within the organization, uh, from the product teams, from, you know, uh, the HR teams when it comes to employer branding, um, from, you know, sales, from everyone within the organizations and everyone needs to be, you know, we need to um, take down those silos in order for this to actually happen in order to have content that is more diverse, it's more engaging, it represents the company 360. Um, and it, it also, you know, takes a bit of the pressure, you know, from the marketing. Yeah. And, you know, makes it, you know, a common shared goal for the entire organization. That makes total sense. Taking down the silos is so important. Um, you know, I, I sure hope, too, that there are more platforms, more competition. I would say better platforms, too. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the trend of making shorter and shorter videos. Are we going to eventually have a, a tick? It's not even TikTok. There's not even, a, there's not even two seconds. It's like, okay, one-second videos, everybody. You know, it's like, okay, all right, one second. Half a second videos, that's a new platform. You know, um, Those are like the the, uh, the iPhone photos, right? Uh, where it, like the you know the moving photos for a second. Yeah. Like sent you what happened right before you took the photo. That's all you get, and then they combine it with Snapchat and it disappears, and then they combine it with <laughs> Facebook, and everyone's mad at each other. And yeah, yeah, like yeah, I'd also be really interesting to have almost like an open source Facebook, you know, um, where it, it combined. Man, I don't know what was in this coffee. This is Hawaiian coffee, Kona. Have you ever heard of that? But um, it's almost like combined open source with um, the cryptocurrency and shared platforms. So you have a, like a Facebook-like platform where you can share with your family and friends your photos and your experiences. But the algorithm, you have like control over it, or and you have complete mm -hmm. awareness and transparency over it, and your files aren't stored in any one place and all that. I love let's, that. let's create that. Shall we? You want to create that? We'll have a meeting <laughs> right now. Tomorrow. Yeah. Right now. Let's get the try erase board out. What should we call it? <laughs> oh, man. What do you call it? Um, you could, you could call it Facebook sucks, but I think the attorneys might have issues with that. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Some, something open like something. it needs to be open. Something, something about openness or transparency, like open feed or something, you know, where it's like, yeah yeah open connect i don't know some or, or or you go like the modern thing which is like you you call it full, you know liberty gibbet and <laughs> it has nothing to do like, with anything that it does right yeah. yeah the name of like a bird or something <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> call for two you know uh um falcon <laughs> all these random yeah. things exactly um, yeah yeah well who are you Ksenia, you have wow, this amazing name. I've never met anyone with that name before. Tell it me about has, yourself. It has, like, my name is a weird one. It's a very, very weird one. I don't think my parents, like, Googled. I mean, there was no Google back then. But, like, researched, went to the library to read about what it means. <laughs> so it has, it has this meaning of, like, it's a Greek name. Oh, okay. And it has this meaning of, like, you know, stranger, which is like such a weird name. Really? Uh, yeah, stranger, but also like hospitality, right? It's like you're kind to strangers. Um, so it has like those two uh, like 
meanings it's a weird name but i love it it has the x in front of it it's cool yeah um, i mean who whoever gets to have an x in front of their name like yeah, nobody. yeah. you do that's about it <laughs> it's awesome and also thanks mom for making it so difficult in every podcast every show everywhere i go for people to pronounce my name <laughs> i just gotta say True. i've heard True. it in a million ways <laughs> True. We, we, we practiced it for like 10 minutes right you gave me vocal lessons and exactly yeah um but who am i uh, that 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 is a big one so i was i was born and raised in uh republic of moldova which oh, is wow. this, yeah this it's like this post soviet country in eastern europe it's a tiny one it's like two million people in that country it's tiny tiny um and yeah uh you know grew up um uh, grew up there uh learned photoshop probably in like fifth grade because i was a huge introvert and my parents um yeah. moved from one yeah they moved from one part of the the country to another one and i didn't have any friends so i spent a lot of my time in front of my computer <laughs> learning uh, photoshop and that kind of stuff and i think you know that's where my passion for design and advertising you know wow. that's where it has its roots um you know uh, just learning Photoshop when I was a kid and playing around and, you know, designing banners and that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, what else? Well, I'm just looking that. at it, Moldova, right in between Ukraine and yes. Romania. Yeah. Was it Time. more Northern part or more Southern toward the, the ocean? Well, the central, the central. Central part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a landlocked country. It doesn't have like seaside or mountains or anything. It's like flat, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, who, who got that? Who got that down below the the southern coast? Did Ukraine uh, get that? Yeah, Ukraine. Yes, I mean, Erks. yeah, <laughs> I mean not them, like the Russians back. In oh, Ukraine. okay. Sorry, Ukraine. Um, yes. Yeah, 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 landlocked. That you can't even go to the beach. No, no. So yeah, that's why I don't know how to swim uh, or you know stuff. <laughs> yeah, you don't know how to so, swim. I don't know. No, like I never needed it. <laughs> Um, and, true. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, you know, I love uh, mountains so much because we didn't have them, you know, back home. And I, I, I just, I'm in awe every time I go to, to the mountains here in Romania. I'm just in awe. And also it's like ironical because like my name uh, means, um, you know, person that lives in the mountains, Montan. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. Your last name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't like live in the like it, it doesn't have any mountains in my country. So, you know, it's kind of like a nice touch. The fact that I've, you know, fallen in love so much with the mountains here um, in Romania. Well, to have a last name that involves the mountains, that's pretty neat. I know. It's cool. It's cool. It's like empowering. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you like live in the mountains? I feel like with, with your name, you should, you should take in strangers and be nice to them on the mountaintop, you know, like <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, no, but I do, I do live close to them, like two hours. Um, nice. So I, you know, get the chance to, to, to go there quite, quite often. Um, I got into, I got into hiking this summer and just because we, you know, with the coronavirus, oh, yeah. you don't get to do, you don't get to, like, you don't get to travel, first of all, outside of the right. country um so and also you don't get to travel to or you don't want to travel to things like the you know the seaside um or more you know uh kind of like locations that are more touristic 
Um, And the mountains are just a great, you know, because isolated and not so many people actually, you know, climb them and, you know, hike to, you know, mountain peaks. Uh, So I've gotten into into that this this summer and I quite enjoyed it uh, quite a lot. Yeah, I, I experienced the same thing where here I, I tell people, I mean, it's not in my last name, but I like to climb mountains, big mountains. And, you know, what's the most, biggest peak that you climbed? Yeah, and it, it's all relative, right? So the only biggest peak I've, I've climbed is Mount Rainier in, 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 in Washington State, Seattle. So it's about 14,000, um, but it's a volcano. Yeah. So it was a really hard day, but I'm, I'm like, I've got my, my eyes set on some of the bigger ones. And, and I was actually supposed to go to Tanzania this year. I had flight booked and everything. I was going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, but um, wow. it got, it got, you know, I had to reschedule it. So hopefully fingers crossed next year, but yeah, I, I keep wanting to do these mountains, but here, you know, business and work and life had gotten to the point where I hadn't really done it. So with coronavirus going around, you're right. You can't really travel to places or do anything. And so the outdoors are safe, you know, and yeah. going to the mountains was, is, was a great thing I got started into this year. Yeah. And also like the weather, you know, the, the wind on the mountains and all of that, the chances are very, you know, Oh yeah. Low. And sunlight, sunlight just kills coronavirus. It's so it's like well, super yeah. safe. Yeah. My highest one was 8,000. Uh, are you talking not, meters or feet? Feet, feet. I actually okay. knew googled that before uh, and it's like 2000 meters or something like that yeah 2400 uh, but it's one of the highest it's like top three probably what's it called um omul <laughs> like yeah. the person like it's called like the person but it's like o-m-u-l uh peak uh in in the carpathian mountain uh it's a pretty it's a pretty good one it's a neat one it's probably like top three or something uh in in the carpathians um so my job is done here i don't have any other <laughs> higher ones in here so we should probably like look into the other ones in in, in europe um you know after all this craziness is over well you know and and i don't have anything big in new hampshire over here the biggest we have is mount monadnock which is this really popular climbed mountain and let's see how this it's not very tall it's but it's a fun training yeah 3100 mm-hmm. feet it's in it, but but it's it's a it's like mini trails up it right there's something like 12 yeah. different trails so i've had fun going up one coming down a different one di- do different yeah. trails every time just in exploring yeah. the mountain you get to know it better which is kind of a neat experience too because normally you visit a mountain you climb it and you're done but with something like this you get a chance to get to know it and get the feel of yeah. it yeah yeah that's nice I, I try to do that the same um but um i'm still a beginner i'm still a no but this so I've done the, the easy one, like no ropes or, you know, like oh know, yeah, as little climbing as possible. Cause I'm also trying to um, get rid of my fear of heights, sure. <laughs> which is, you know, it's important when you're, you know, uh, hiking on mountains um, and also ridiculous considering the name. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get that done. So I'm starting small uh, or at least, you know, beginner paths. Yeah. Well, I would say don't lose your fear of heights per se. I mean, if you're near <laughs> the edge of a cliff, you probably should be scared. If you're dancing on the edge, I'm going to be like, oh, that's kind of, I'm not getting that. Hey, come over, check out this, uh, this cliff over here. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good over here. Or here's a rope. Now we're good. You know, that kind of thing. True, true. I agree. There, yeah. 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 Fear is good. You know, yeah. survival. 
little healthy, <laughs> little healthy fear of the edges of cliffs, right? You, you see the pic, the videos of, of people on social, you know, climbing some weird construction skyscraper and hanging out with no rope. And I'm like, no, thanks. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> How did you make the transition from the graphic design world to eventually more marketing and then also your own company and your books and all these things that entrepreneurial kick? Did you always kind of have the entrepreneurial thing going on or? No, actually never. Um, my parents are, you know, they, they're not like business people and also uh, Moldova uh, is probably one of the, it's so sad to say that, and, um, but it's probably one of the worst economies in, in Europe. Um, so, you know, people don't dream of becoming entrepreneurs there. Because gotcha. it's, like, it's kind of risky. Um, and you want, a, you want like a stable job you have for 40 years or something like that. It gives you stability and you, yeah. know, you can raise your family and plan for the future. Um, and, you know, entrepreneurship doesn't give you that option. So I've, I was, and also, you know, I haven't really seen that many uh, women in business when I was, you know, a kid. So uh, again, I didn't even know that's possible. I didn't know we're allowed to do this. Right. <laughs> uh, so, um, so, you know, it's, it's weird because, you know, the, when I started my first business, which was um, uh, an interesting one, I was doing, um, I was designing and producing and crafting a handmade jewelry and I was probably 15 years old when I when I was doing that and I was selling it on Facebook um, and you know I was doing that and I was you know making you know some little money some pocket money but I, I never labeled that as hey you know I have a business I'm an entrepreneur yeah. never I would have never labeled you know myself as that and I, I, it took me a while to even realize that I'm an entrepreneur with my second business, which was a, a social media marketing agency. Um, and that was like, you know, actually, you know, a business I had employees. And then one day I realized, what am I doing? I'm, <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur, you know, right. I never dreamed about this. Um, and, you know, I, with graphic design, uh, I, it was, you know, a passion that I had since, since I was a child. And then, uh, I studied PR and mass communication and marketing, advertising, that kind of stuff. And during my second year of university, that's when the opportunity came to, you know, to get my one of my first clients, uh, which was Coca-Cola locally in my country. And I, you know, I took that opportunity and kind of fast forward. I got some some other clients and the team grew a little bit. We were about, you know, six to seven people in the team. It was great, going pretty well, but um, I felt like, you know, um, we have this saying in, in Romania and Moldova, which means that like uh, your appetite uh, will come as you start like eating or something like that. Um, and <laughs> it's an interesting one because it really applies to my experience with entrepreneurship because like I started and then I got a taste of it and I was like, oh, I want to do more. Um, and I realized that, you know, the agency isn't a very, very scalable model. Like the best thing that I could, you know, make with it in the future was for it to be in like the biggest, you know, digital agency in uh, Moldova and maybe potentially regionally in Eastern Europe. But that was all right. Like I couldn't scale it past that. Um, and also the client work. Uh, was difficult, you know, it was back in the times where you still had to prove the, the, the benefit of social media to clients and 
um, you know, people were right. People with Facebook accounts thought there, you know, they could do social media as well just because they had a <laughs> Facebook account. Um, so uh, it, it, I realized that that's probably not something that I want to do, you know, for the entirety of my life. And I have lots of friends that works in, in tech industry, you know, programmers, and you know, I learned, you know, from them about, you know, the, the software industry and. One of the problems that I had back in my agency, they, uh, you know, the entire process of collaboration and, you know, getting feedback and approval from clients, um, that's, you know, what, you know, later on became uh, planable. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how, you know, everything happened. <laughs> Man, it, it's, it's funny that you, I think I've had similar experiences where you don't know what the title is or what the description is. You just, it's just something you keep doing. And it's creating these companies, these teams of people that create value. And it, in do, and sometimes it, and it's never usually a, like this puristic reason. Like maybe you just wanted some extra spending cash and sell some jewelry, or or see if it was possible, or you know, be able to hang out with friends, or you know, what, whatever it was. But then you're like, oh, there's something here, and it doesn't doesn't click till maybe the the second or the third one, or you know, yeah. the fact that you were selling things as a kid, or you know, like all that that sort of mindset. It just, it was always there though, it sounds like. Exactly. Like you can connect like the dots only, you know, looking backwards, you realize that, oh, it kind of all makes sense. It makes sense that I'm here, Yeah. but I didn't envision I'm going to be here, you know, back then I, I didn't have like that plan or that pathway for myself. Right. And now that phrase that was really cool, your appetite will come as you start eating. Is that, is that a phrase in like Romania? Yeah, Romania, Moldova, yeah, yeah. Can you, have is it in Romanian? Can you like say it? Yeah, yeah, I can. So, pofta vina mâncând. That's short. I feel like that would be a good tattoo as well, you know? Like, yeah. just go for it, you know? Um, I would wow. probably Google an alternative in, in English because I, I feel like it's it's a handy one. I might, uh, I might be using it in the future. There must be some kind of alternative in English as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we figure that out and make that the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Tell me about Planable. Tell me about this thing you've created that's sort of grown and become this platform. Sure. Um, so yeah, Planable is a collaboration tool uh, for social media teams. Uh, so it basically replaces a bunch of tools that social media teams use nowadays to coordinate their output on social. Um, so most of social media teams use something like spreadsheets, you know, either a Google spreadsheet or, you know, a Microsoft Excel file yeah. where they plan what's, you know, called editorial calendars. <clears throat> or social media calendars um, yeah. and you plan basically what's you know what posts you're going to publish next week or your next month okay um, so you do that in a spreadsheet which is you know, this blank table that is not very welcoming especially for graphic and, and visual content uh, because it's it's just you know very hard to visualize how your feeds are going to look like from a from a spreadsheet and it's also it very collaborative and it's, it's just clunky um and then they send that spreadsheet over email and they have like endless conversations on email or Slack around the content. And it's not, feedback is not in context. Like you discuss about content that is planned in one place, but you discuss it in a different place. So you can't give, you know, like feedback should be next to the thing that you're talking about. So that's one issue that I've seen. And then the entire process of actually visualizing how your content is going to look like. Uh, wow. A fun fact from my agency days was that I had like this 
uh, unpublished Facebook page for test purposes where I was going in there and I, I was like creating a post uh, to make sure that it looks good and also to take a screenshot and send it to clients. And I was like mocking up every single post and including it in a, in a PowerPoint presentation for clients to see how their you know, content is going to look like in the end. And that's obviously, you know, such a waste of time. Yeah. Um, and it, just Planable replaces all of that. It gives you an environment where you can create content for social. It looks exactly as the final version, you know, pixel perfect to how the posts are going to look like in the end. So that gives you uh, peace of mind that you're not going to have any surprises post publish. Uh, it also, you know, um, kind of makes the communication better because, you know, less misunderstandings can happen if everyone sees the same thing and you don't have to rely on, you know, people's imagination. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, it also, you know, helps with the entire collaboration process. Like you have uh, a way of discussing content, discussing posts right next to the posts. There's an approval system, a calendar for planning and a bunch of other features that are designed to take a social media team from uh, drafts throughout discussing feedback reviews uh, and then mm. publishing in the end. Man. Uh, you know, so, so we do social for the the podcast and we've been using Hootsuite for a long time and we're kind of looking at different tools. Is this something that primarily it's used by agencies or would this replace us using Hootsuite? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could potentially replace how you're using Hootsuite. If you're using Hootsuite for planning and like publishing, Planable definitely replaces that. Uh, if you're using Hootsuite for like management and monitoring and analytics and, and listening and, um, you know, community management, that's not something that we do. So gotcha. you should do a very good job at that. But we kind of like, we sit on top of it where you use us instead of your, <clears throat> spreadsheets and instead of email and instead of your drive or Dropbox folders where you store your assets for social um so it's more like you know behind the scenes gotcha uh, it's more like the first part of the process where you figure yeah. out what you need to publish and then things like Hootsuite and Buffer and Sprout Social come in that do the publishing as well and then analyze your performance uh, but we're like the first step of the process. I like that. That's very helpful describing it that way where you're not, oh yeah, we replace everything. A lot of the, you know, the salespeople use it. Oh, oh yeah, we replace everything. And then you find out like, no, it does the first part, but like to be able to say like, no, it really handles this the first part. Is it just as easy to create? I know you can't really see what it looks like, but can you create, I mean, the, the benefit of, you know, creating in, in a spreadsheet is you can just make many, 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 many shares quickly. Um, are you able to still do that on Planable or is it, do you still use an ex a spreadsheet and then put into Planable or no? No, no. You start from Planable, like you okay. start from scratch from Planable, you create your posts there and you have different ways of like visualizing the content that you're creating. You can either look at it as a list, you can look at it as a calendar, you can look at it as a feed if you want to, huh. you know, see how your entire feed is going to look like with all the posts that you're planning. Yeah. So there's different, or as a grid for Instagram specifically. Okay. So there's different ways of working and visualizing that content um, because, you know, different people like to look at content in different ways. And it, right. and it also is really situational depending on what you need to do with that content. Um, so it's extremely flexible, I think, you know, because it's a collaboration tool and a workflow tool. Yeah. People work in so different ways, in so many different ways that we had to make it very, you know, very flexible and very adjustable, mm -hmm. very open uh, to the way people work. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and, and I get too that 
a lot of the power too is if you're if you have those bulky layers of approval where it's not just you know the creator creating some tweets and or shares and out they go it's like no you gotta get approval from either a client or from the executives or the compliance officer for the people in finance you have the ability to have workflows to have people approve the content that makes a lot of sense yeah 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 exactly and you know sometimes even especially if you're like a regulated industry you got to do those things it's not it's right. not something optional right you yeah. yeah exactly finance healthcare different different spots you have to do those things well i have a hypothetical question for you this by the way this sounds all good what what is there like um a trial i mean i don't want to turn this into an ad but like is it is there a, <laughs> a trial or could we try this um yeah, there is. There is. Uh, we actually have a free plan where okay, you can cool. play around with Planable for your first 50 posts. So you can try that as much as you can. Cool. I like that. And what we'll, we'll I do just realized my lightning is not the best. I noticed. Awesome. I was like, oh, the yeah. sun is set in, in <laughs> Romania. <laughs> there we I go. I didn't realize that. Sorry. Oh, no worries. <laughs> much better now. Yeah, actually it is. <laughs> I'm like, wow, there's actually light in there now. Um, yeah, probably right. will help keep you awake too. You're going to need it for this question. So this is a, this is a hypothetical. If you could go back in time and meet yourself um, and, Ooh. and you get to meet yourself typically after like graduation of university or really right about when you're starting your career um, mm. around that time, kind of young and experienced, if you could meet that version of you, what would you tell her? What would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? I think I would tell myself that I am stronger than I think I can, than I think I am, and I can do more things and bigger things than I, I think I can. Um, I think, you know, like growing up uh, in, in Moldova, I was taught a lot like about um, being like a hustler, you know, being creative, being innovative, doing a lot with, um, with little resources. Um, but right. it doesn't really teach you about like thinking big uh, as much as, you know, the, you know, Western part of the world teaches you. Um, and I think, you know, that's what I would have been, I, I would have told myself, you know, you can do more than you think you can. And you're definitely much stronger than um, you realize. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, just our, our own perceptions holding us back or yeah. the environments we're in telling us to not shoot for the stars, you know, just get that, you know, get the safe job, right? Yeah, it's a bottleneck for, you know, what you can potentially become. So you, you got to get that out of your way. Absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic. When, when is your next hike? When, when are you going hiking again? Actually, this weekend, potentially. Um, nice. That's something fun. We didn't book it yet, but I'm um, very, very excited. It's like more of a fall hike where, you yes. know, we're probably not going to climb, you know, um, to 8,000 uh, feet again because it's quite cold right now. But, um, you know, uh, still probably going to hike up in this uh, weekend. I'm excited. <laughs> Are the leaves changing for you as well? It's, yes it's so beautiful i've seen like a few photos from people on, on instagram obviously uh and it's like wow so I, I i can't can't wait to get there you're gonna need to take some photos for your own instagram and then <laughs> share them with me so i can because because same thing happened for us like new england we have that really nice fall weather um and it's just awesome when the just the, the trees change the colors, colors. And, yeah. yeah it's incredible
Um, sweet. Well, hey, where can people connect with you? Um, throw out some social platforms, throw out Planable site, the trial, all that stuff. Yes, sure. Um, so if people want to check out Planable, um, our website is planable.io. And that's P-L-A-N-A-B-L-E-E, uh, E, one E, uh, dot I-O. Um, and then if you want to connect with me, uh, I do spend most of my time on, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, professionally. <laughs> uh, so uh, send me a connection request, uh, you know, tell me you, you've heard me in this podcast and uh, I'd be happy to chat with you. Yeah, for sure. Don't just send a random connection request. I'm sure you get those too. Um, <laughs> say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. You're amazing. I want to connect with you. Yes. Talk social, that kind of thing. Or hiking or whatever. Um, exactly. Not just random <laughs> connections. Um, fantastic. Ksenia, this has been awesome. I lo love chatting with you. We'll have to chat again in the future, catch up and see how all the hiking goes. And I'll see if I can try to get you to join in the the trip, the epic trip to uh, Taz, not Tasmania, Tanzania next year. Maybe we'll talk wow, you into it. That would be crazy, but uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Casey, for having me on the show. It was really, really great uh, chatting with you, wrapping up the day with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Nothing, nothing says it's time to drink. Like I just got off the a call, an hour and a half call with Casey Cheshire. <laughs> um, for those listening, if you learned something, and I know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. Then share this with someone else. Be a thought leader. LinkedIn's the place for that. And put your takeaways, put your takeaways, you link to the show in the comments. That's thought leadership. Tag myself, tag Asenia, like we'll get a conversation going. And that that's the magic right there. So again, thank you so much for coming on here. It's been fun. Go get, go crush those future calls and then enjoy dinner. You've had a fantastic day and it was great, great chatting with you. Thanks a lot, Casey. All right. For those listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. Thank you.